2: Jason I think we're live thanks for being here man how you feeling
3: hey nice to see you
2: yeah so just for the listeners uh sake, your sake then I already have kind of an idea and I'm sure you've already um been asked this question millions of millions of times so, I mean so what's you know you've you've been the uh you I think you, what, you wrote and written four books so far and you just got the w- yeah, w- came yeah I, I feel or? like
3: the last book that I that I did was really uh so-called writing was okay. before that were sort of versions of editing, uh, you know, in that they started out in 2005 and 2006, being very based on quotations and essays. So in that sense, I, I really am more of an editor than anything. I mean, I, I added a lot of structure, um, you know, because I, I am interested in quotations that are about values or virtues, things like personal growth, happiness, um, you know, meaning, things like this. So it's not like I didn't, you know, do do anything creative or useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my latest book, for example, is is really it has even some memoir aspects in addition to trying to bring, you know, psychological research to the table and philosophical, you know, um, hallmarks of philosoph philosophical thought from throughout the centuries. Sure. So this latest one was really kind of truly written and then rewritten and then proofed. And just the other day I found, you know, five mistakes, which I, you know, so I submitted a whole new version to amazon.com. So it's been like, you know, a serious, uh, um, ordeal almost in regard to writing.
2: Gotcha. So yeah, your latest book's called wisdom, correct? I mean, what was was the motivation behind it? I mean, I know you, you have a background in philosophy and psychology and all that. I mean, is is that kind of where it was coming from? Just putting your thoughts together on Things or what was the motivation?
3: You know, I think I'm so fascinated by the subject. Um, some of it was just wanting to kind of sit down and really go through it all and really learn it. Okay. Um, you know, kind of like you've heard, if you know how to teach a subject, um, then you really have to learn it, you know, completely.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: so I think by trying to write a book about wisdom and all the associated uh, aspects of it, you know, uh, critical thinking and compassion and uh, you know patience, things like this. I came, I came to know those subjects and so and sub subjects, if you will, um, much better. So there was that personal interest element. Uh, in other words, I couldn't have written about baseball in that way because I just don't love sure. baseball. But you know, uh, I think you know, I, I I fully connect with the idea that. Um, philosophy comes from the Greek for love of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so I I really do happen to love wisdom. Um, You know, as weird as that may sound, Um, since most people don't even think about the subject, let alone love it, but I've just always been fascinated by it and, you know, Socrates and all this type of stuff. Um, And then there's some um, elements where, you know, I feel like um, American society is so... Um, problematic nowadays. And I feel like wisdom is just the obvious solution for so much that, that ails us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying it's like a, you know, uh, there's, there's a quote out there by Maslow, Abraham Maslow, he says something like, if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. You see what I'm saying? Um, So I don't think wisdom is like that generic and, you know, um, Easily, you know, it's like it's a it's a octagonal peg, if you will. And so that's only going to fit into an octagonal hole, um, you know, to use the whole round peg square hole um, metaphor. But I do think that we have a bunch of problems uh, within us and between us that are um, octagonal in nature that I think wisdom is just the perfect thing uh, to to solve those, to understand those problems better and to solve them in many cases
2: yeah i'm wondering that it seems like you know like these type of books like yours like wisdom and uh the stoics stuff yeah it, we could start to become more popular and i don't know if that was because of covid more people starting to read more or just try to find out like you said like american society is having some issues and maybe these books like meditations by Marcus Aurelius and um, yep. I I just yep. I, I just finished reading I think it's called Obstacle in the Way by uh, I think it's Ryan Holiday or Holiday
3: Yeah, he's he's extremely popular now. I mean, yeah. really popular.
2: Yeah, so it seems like more people are starting to like this is I don't want to say mainstream, but more people are going to these to find other different ways about you know, alternate ways of thinking, I guess, and like looking at certain different things like morals and values and judgment and secrets and yeah.
3: I mean, it's it's not. Um, of course, I'm sort of surprised whenever I think of another person being interested in philosophy, or personal growth, or psychology, because I, I feel like you know, like I'm a huge um, fan of the rock group Rush, and so Rush fans just sort of they have this instant camaraderie. Like, wow, you like Rush? Awesome! Let's talk about Rush for the next you know hour. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna cancel my appointment. Let's just chill and and talk. Uh, and so. It's uh, So it is a little surprising when I find somebody who's interested in these subjects, Um, obviously not talking about higher education, like, you know, master's level psychology, obviously, those people are interested in psychology in in a serious way. But just in general, you know, the person who's going to buy a Ryan Holiday book, probably not a uh, academic type of person, they're probably looking for some sort of help or personal growth from that book. And and so there's a little bit of a surprising element to that. But by the same token, it shouldn't be that surprising because philosophy is meant at its best, I think, to be helpful. Um, uh, Wisdom is a very helpful thing. Um, And so, you know, Socrates, for example, you know, back uh, in, I guess it was about, you know, 400 BC, something like that, 410, 420. He was, you know, going around the marketplace of Athens, engaging in conversations and, you know, trying to get at what is virtue? You know, what does it mean to have virtue? What what type of government is best? What does wisdom mean? What is truth? What's goodness? What's happiness? All these very challenging questions. And, you know, so we need philosophy to help us answer those types of questions. And so it's always interested people to some degree. And sure. now America has, you know, we're really suffering in, in certain ways. As you say, the pandemic really kind of laid bare some of our, our problems. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't even shy away from using the word, uh, the metaphor of rot to describe what's happening in this country. And so I think that uh, philosophy can be like the sanitizing uh, sun, you know, the light of day that can, um, you know, basically that's the best thing to handle rot right is to subject it to the sun Hmm. um so that's what i think philosophy is at its best
2: so you think that you know using that metaphor that society or culture is kind of rotting from the inside
3: yeah i mean look we've always had problems right like we started out slave owning so there's a huge problem right there from the get-go um and we've always dealt with big problems, you know, um, You know the, the Red Scare, McCarthyism, that type of thing. That was, you know, Vietnam, the civil rights movement, um, you know, Nixon being shown to be a total crook and quitting, mm. um, you know, the Iran hostage problem crisis, the Iran Contra crisis in the 80s. So America is constantly beset by issues and problems or whatever. And so, I'm not sure if we're getting healthier. Uh, I, I would say it's probably pretty obvious we're not getting happier um, and whether we're being more successful and, you know, kind of going or let's say achieving our highest potential, you know, I'd say there's a lot of evidence against that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously some things are not rotten. If you want to watch Game of Thrones, you know, call it up. There it is. It's not rotten. It's It's beautiful. It's right there. Full color amazing sound. Um, but you know, if you try to have a conversation with somebody who's on the opposite end of the political spectrum or the religious spectrum or what have you, it can get, it can get pretty dicey, pretty fast. And that's a, a, a sign of societal problems when people shoot each other because they're that angry or that, uh, you know, um, um, they have that much, um, internal, I guess you might call it kind of a mental health problem anger problem, uh, being left out of society issue, you know, some, whatever causes somebody to to take up mass shooting as a way to deal with whatever's bothering them. Yeah. That's That's an example of, um, you know, not being able to successfully, um, talk with other people about what, what, you know, you think, what they think, um, that's kind of a, a symbol that you've just completely given up on society. So, I mean, that's even worse than suicide, right? If you commit suicide, you're saying I want to give up on everything. Nothing is worth it. Sure. I'm suffering that badly. If you decide you better, you know, you you would do well to kill ten or twenty people before you kill yourself. Now that is a incredible level of of what would you call it? Maladjustment or um, you know, kind of it's sort of like a mental emotional catastrophe going on with that individual.
2: Yeah, no, I agree that we're in a weird state in this country, and that just kind of like kind of echoing or touching on what you were saying that at one point that it didn't matter, you know, what the topic was, what the debate was, subject, whatever you want to say that, you know, instantly, if you express your opinion, your feelings on the subject, you're automatically labeled as, Something. You know, so for example, that at one point, I can't remember, this is probably, I think it was last year, maybe six months ago, but there's an article, I think that CNBC came out or MSNBC, whoever it was, was basically saying, if you are a very active fitness type lifestyle person, you were very conservative, you know? And I, was like, I don't know if I would agree with that article. And, just, and that was a very biased article. Then all of a sudden, but I was like, that makes sense. You know, it's just like saying... You know, maybe if I go take my dogs for a walk, then what what does that mean? Does that label me as a certain part of the political party? But, I mean, what I'm getting at, though, is that it seems like, you know, we cannot have these conversations anymore and just sitting down and having our thoughts without upsetting somebody at some point. And And one thing is that Jordan Peterson touched on this, is that, you know, in order to be able to think, you have to be sometimes somewhat offensive at the same time, just because you're trying to think out loud you're trying to express your feelings. And, you know, like if you're trying to talk about whatever subject that is to the person you you're trying to dig at them, but you don't mean to be offensive, but it comes off as offensive. Does that kind of make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah.
3: yeah people do protect themselves. Um, so, you know, people are guarded. Um, they, they, you know, the human mind is fascinating the way it works. Right. So you tend to see, the differences in people really quite easily. Uh, you know you tend to I mean one of the worst things people experience is the feeling of of being inconsistent. Most people don't really think about that, but it's a fear of people that in a in a conversation or, let's say an argument or debate, they're going to be shown to be inconsistent. That's sort of like you kind of hear the wah, 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 wah. Like, okay, you lose that conversation. You just you were just shown to be inconsistent. Um and so we have all these fears and biases and everything. And it's it's very it can be very challenging at times to interact with other people um out there in the what the Greeks used to call the the polis, uh you know, the city state, other people um besides yourself. And yet America clearly has benefited in the past from, from cooperating, you know, everything from fighting a war against the Nazis to going to the moon and back to, you know, uh, dealing with the, the crisis that occurred in 2008 or whatever. Um, But, uh, you know, so in individualists, people who think they're, they've got it all figured out. They're right about everything. They don't need other people. They're better than other people. Mm -hmm. Those are not really um, the best types of, of individuals, I think, and, and certainly America, uh, there's a, a definitely like a rugged individualism type of a streak that has, you know, done a lot of things for us and, and put us in good stead as far as, you know, inventing new things or having world class education or, uh, making somebody wealthy. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, I just, I, I feel like, um, Philosophy has so much that can be useful in helping us understand ourselves. You know, Socrates actually said, know thyself is like the main thing. And to live an unexamined life is something that is really, a um, you know, a terrible mistake, a big waste. Uh, and there's also a lot that philosophy can do to help us understand our very, very complex world, our very complex minds, um, brains, um, and so on and so forth. So it's just it's a very rich subject and can pay so many dividends for anybody who who's willing to to pick up a Ryan holiday book or any other, mm. there's probably 500 books on philosophy where, you know, the, that personal growth type of philosophy that is, that can be just so useful and interesting.
2: Do you think that, and kind of again, touching on what you just said that, you know, people will find a side and they stay on that side just because, I don't know. Again, using that one example that okay, so all conservatives are fitness enthusiasts or whatever you want to say, and that they find information supporting their their facts and ideologies and methodologies, and and they go and shout it about on Twitter. Then all of a sudden, people who don't really do their homework and you know research things on themselves, there's they they lock themselves in echo chambers with these people and then they go back and forth supporting each other's ideas without looking at opposing views or what somebody else might think about, well, that's not entirely true, but can we break it down a little bit? And, but that's where we get stuck in this downfall is that where, you know, we're shouting from the mountaintops, you know, our point of view without actually just sitting and listening to what other people are saying, you know, and, and uh, real quick, this, somebody made it out to a point like to me that, um, you know, when most people when they're having conversations nowadays that they're not really listening to what the other person is saying they're just thinking about the next thing they're going to say yeah, next. yeah. it's yeah. true yeah
3: it is true and I've often heard I've heard a a, a person once um it's a quote basically I'm I'm paraphrasing somebody who said um most people when they think they're thinking they're just rearranging their prejudices. <laughs> I okay. think that was um Newt Rockney, the the football legend. Um I could be wrong, but you know, it wasn't Einstein. It was somebody surprisingly, you know, in that in that in that vein. Um, but I mean there's so much I could say to this. Uh, you know, first basically yes to to the things you were saying to your question. Yeah. um, you know, uh, confirmation bias is is, you know, really interesting thing, very, very important nowadays uh it's one of these biases that humans have um, which is fascinating in the first place but people do love to you know kind of emotionally um, determine what they what they want to uh, believe or discover in a particular situation or or task and then they go about trying to prove that that is indeed correct and then they get uh, a bit of dopamine, you know, surging through their brain, they think, well, I figured that one out. Okay, um, close the browser, you know, next. Um, and, you know, of course, if 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 folks are into Twitter and so on and so forth, they love to argue about what they believe is right. Mm-hmm. But I think philosophy is here to say, you know, don't be so quick to be so sure that you are correct about something. Um, and there are, you know, dozens or hundreds of quotes this, that are Along the lines of, if you think you have everything figured out, uh, you're you're wrong about that because clearly you don't. If you you know you need to be more more modest in that sense and say, I'm still learning things. I have I have things I can learn from other people. I mean, goodness gracious, if you spend five hours talking with somebody who lives in a in a rest home uh, retirement maybe retirement community is not the right description because basically somebody who doesn't have the same life they used to. It's so interesting. Like I, I did this once when I was taking my therapy dog around to these types of places, came across a former professional baseball player. Nice. You know, like from the 50s, it was just so interesting. You know, uh, um, I, I went home and found out he was not lying. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can kind of see the size of his hands, you know what I mean? Like you can see he lost a lot of his strength over the years, but his uh, hands showed that I bet he really could grip that bat and, you know, hit it 80 mile an hour you know, pitch and run around the bases lickety split. And, and here he is sitting there watching, you know, probably watching Jerry Springer or something all day. You know what (laughs) I mean? It's like, if you talk to that person, there's so much that you can learn if you just have an open mind about, you know, what they can, what they can teach. And, you know, let's face it. America is better at looking forward and inventing Mm -hmm. uh, and, and innovating than than we are uh, when it comes to, you know, wisdom essentially basically the idea of there are, are lessons and truths and important points that that are that are out there and oftentimes you know this quintessential wise old person um has these things in their in their head and if you never talk to them you never you know it's it's really kind of a sad thing it's it's not as bad as, as dementia which is like a fate worse than death but just as far as, you know, two people go, if you never have that conversation, you you really miss out on much that they can teach. That's not to say that, you know, a 90 year old person is the wisest person there is. That's right. kind of like a caricature in that, you know, Chinese, Confucian,
4: mm-hmm.
3: Indian way of thinking about, Indian in both senses, way of thinking about things. In America, at least the, the old person could be, you know, a real son of a bitch you talk to him you're like dude yeah conversation over you know you you're you're an ignorant fool and i'm i want to get out of this conversation as fast as possible um and yeah and in other cases you talk to somebody who's you know 18 or 15 or 25 and they can really impress you with how sharp they are and all the things that they know and all things they realize so you kind of have to judge each each person individually um but in general you know the older you are the longer you've been alive the greater chance you have of being able to assemble all of these separate pieces into a coherent whole which is a kind of a type of of wisdom activity
2: yeah you know and it goes a long way especially that if you are self-conscious and self-aware of going along your own path that and you 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 don't mind, you know, sitting down and thinking about a few things, whether you do something right, you do something wrong, you know, you can think about like one thing for me is like, I've started to try to journal more and like, I've been reading a lot more and just, instead of just going off based off what, you know, Joe Smo said on the street about, you know, X thing. It's just like, well, let me sit down and think about this and how I really feel. And it's, it's almost so easy to, Go along, especially with, you know, with podcasts and, you know, all the books that are out there and all the information that's out there that you can get sucked into the something that it's like so much information that you don't even know how to break it down to your own thing. And, but it's just one of those things that I've learned that, you know, not only thinking, but writing things out. So if we're talking about you know, uh, baseball, for example, or uh, Roe v. Wade or tough things. This, um, What just happened? The uh, bone forgiveness things. Well, let me just think a minute. Like, how do I really feel rather than just saying like going through Facebook, Instagram, like, well, X person said that this is not right, or this is good, or this is whatever. And it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, be like a sheep and just follow along with that. But, you know, and, and I think, you know, listening to, people who enjoy philosophy and like, you know, Ryan holiday and reading meditations. I read that during COVID that's, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, all right, the first thing that comes to your mind. Let me, let me say that out loud for everyone. Right. Here. Yeah. You know, just let me, let me sit down for a second and let me first think about it, you know, and those conversations can be fun. I'm not saying they're not just let me, you know, like three, two, one, go. How do you feel about, you know, abortion or whatever it is, religion, politics, but, you know, but you, I feel like I feel better, you know, thinking about it and writing my thoughts out, like I said, it's it's one of those things that, what is the, uh, that saying competence builds confidence.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. Um, there's a, there was a mathematician from the 16th century, Blaise Pascal. And, and he said something like, uh, all of our problems result from the fact that we can't sit quietly in a room by ourselves. Wow. Um, it is a challenge to put your phone to turn your phone off so there's no chance of of it pinging or ringing, and then to sit there and just like watch the sunset or yeah. look at the trees or I don't know, even just close your eyes. But you know, I think the evidence really shows that meditation uh, is extremely beneficial. Mm-hmm. And okay, so meditation is kind of like not thinking in a sense. But I think there's really something to be said for thinking. In other words, you know, act as a meditator would sit there in a quiet room, turn your phone off, don't be hungry, thirsty, or have to pee or anything like this. Mm -hmm. And then just start thinking about something that interests you or that bothers you or whatever. Uh, That's, that's a, a bit of a challenge, but of course, extremely useful. So again, not really meditating, but kind of in that same general category, that's stuff that you can do know within your own mind. Um then you mentioned you know reading. I mean, gosh, there's so much that you can read that's you know, you might like uh, Seneca next. I'm sure Ryan Holly mentions Seneca mm-hmm. in his in his books. He's he's a uh, a Roman
2: that sounds um,
3: philosopher, um really interesting guy. And you know his his book called Letters from a Stoic, so interesting. You know, he's conversing with with another person, a younger person, and he just shares so much. This is so interesting. Um and really uh, rich life he lived. I mean, he was he was forced by um Nero, I think it was, the Roman emperor, mm-hmm. to kill himself. And he did. I mean, you know, just like, wow, his life was gargantuan in size compared to the life that some of us lead. And so if that guy wrote a book about stoicism and philosophy, it's it's interesting, right? It'd be ashamed shame to miss that. And so that's the kind of thing that I think, you know, reading can do. I'm a huge fan of reading, you know, things like Moby Dick can be a little scary or, or they seem kind of boring or whatever, but sure. Moby Dick has stuck around for all this time because it's got these important lessons, these interesting things. So now in the time of YouTube, you know, if you're interested in Moby Dick, look up a, a video on it. I don't mean a three minute video. I mean a I 20 to that, 60 yeah. minute encapsulation of what was, Melville trying to say, what are the lessons of it? And you know there are some amazing things are out there on YouTube. You just have to be very judicious about what you spend your time on because it can also be, you know a huge time suck and right. and uh, and very distracting if you get involved in the wrong video. So uh, and one last thing on this topic is,, um, you know, it also can be great to to have dialogue with other people. Um I know that when I got married, my ability to to converse, probably increased, you know, fivefold or something. I'm a little bit of an introvert. And um, so I would, you know, having a wife who's always there, I mean, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but it's like, you can always start a conversation because there they are. If they're not looking at their phone or, or reading or whatever, then they probably want to talk to you and you could talk through some very interesting things. I know my wife and I, we both kind of shout at the news. When we're watching it. We're like, son of a bitch, you know, like what? you know, and then we'll just start talking about that. And um, sometimes we see things eye to eye, sometimes we have differences, like I'm an agnostic, kind of spiritual, not that far from atheistic, and she's devoted Catholic, not Catholic in the sense of like thinks that the Pope is, you know, the greatest thing ever, but she's, she loves Jesus Christ, basically. And I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that can be a bit of a, division if we're talking about something like abortion you know so she'll she'll say to me you know by the way you know there's no chance i'm ever going to have an abortion right so let's just be clear about that you know you're almost 50 and i'm 40 but if we have if we get pregnant we're going to have that child that's that's where i stand on that are you clear clear about that Um, so those are very you know they can be very interesting challenging fruitful conversations
2: but it seems to work out, you know, because I've always – there's a lot of people who say that, you know, you have to have the same ideologies, the same interests, the same everything in order for it to work. But, you know, I've always thought that it doesn't have to be that way, that you can have opposing, you know, ideas about things or whatever you want to say, and it's, it still can work. I mean, just like you're saying with your wife, you know, you being – did you say you're ag- agnostic or atheist?
3: Yeah, more like agnostic.
2: Yeah. yeah, and then your wife being, you know, Catholic. Did you say she was Catholic? she is but
3: she's more like kind of non-denominational christian
2: yeah but and it's kind of cool like because you can sit down and have those conversations and like that's kind of what we were touching on earlier and at the end of the day you're still married and you're not wanting to wring each other's neck you know and throw each other out the window and it's cool to bounce people your ideas off one another because you know i found that again you know you need that constructive criticism you know and you know there's that one book um how to influence friends and when others are, i'll probably butcher that title but you know you try to see the point of view in another person's eyes or shoes or whatever you want to say and it's just like hey you know I didn't really see it like that and that makes perfect sense and like and i like things like that you know you just like hey you know and and at the end of the day you can still be friends i mean you can still you know break bread over the dinner table and have these yeah. conversations and it, and it's and it's cool and like a lot of people for some reason i guess they think that it it, will, it doesn't work but it does work it's just as, as long as you don't mind having tough conversations and not get going from zero to ballistic and just over one touchy subject, you know, just sit down like adults and debate the thing. And at the end of the day, high five each other, whatever it is, and get out of there. You know, it's,
3: yeah. I mean, That's easiest when you have a friendship and, you know, Aristotle talked about friendship in a very, um, you know, admiring way. Uh, and it's it's been an important thing ever since. So if you if you're friends with somebody, it's much easier to to go there and to and to challenge each other and be like, no, I I, I still think of you as a friend. I still love you. I'm not saying it, but I'm saying you're just the way you think about gun rights versus gun um, uh, restrictions is is crazy to me, you know. And and then you have that conversation, um, and people can people can change if. If the conversation is is done well, um, I'm taking a whole class this semester um, called Moral Deliberation, which is essentially like talking about moral topics, uh, issues that are of great importance uh, with other people in that kind of political sense, and that's gonna be interesting for me because, you know, I have trouble with that like other people. Do. um We're all kind of, we, we all kind of tend to be a little tribalistic, unless you're like apolitical. If you're apolitical, then you don't think of yourself as particularly tribalistic. But, you know, 60, 70% of us, you know, do. And, you know, when it comes to religion, maybe like diehard Yankees fan, I don't know, whatever. Like there's all these things that people really, really, really feel strongly about. And so to talk with somebody who is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from that, Usually we just kind of try to avoid it. Maybe you maybe you come across people if you serve on a jury, you know, you you just have to deal with those people. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be a real um it can be a a fortunate occurrence to let's say be stuck in an elevator with three people for an hour and a half. You know, you or you know, the movie The Breakfast Club, right? Have you seen oh, yeah. that? Yeah. It's like that's that's where some interesting things can really can really happen. You kind of break out of your of your rut and you and you challenge and you reconsider one of the there's there's a quote by churchill says um and i think he was quoting somebody named um disraeli benjamin disraeli he said if you can't change your mind you can't change anything Mm. i mean think about that your mind doesn't even have i mean it's basically like weightless timeless and spaceless right it's like what is the mind if you can't change that it's i mean it's hard to change a lock from, you know, from locked to unlocked, that's harder than it is to change your mind in a sense, right? Because that requires calories and effort and and dexterity. Changing your mind, you can do it in a snap if you wanted to. It's just that we usually don't want to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a problem that I, I guess, you know, for so long, if you don't have that open mindset, if you stay stuck in that fixed mindset that, you know, whatever you think, whatever your environment was growing up, whether it was nature and then nature versus nurture, nurture comes along that, you know, you don't want to hear any other opposing ideas about said thing. And, but it almost comes down to case by case scenarios to so talk about gun rights, you know, I mean, you know, when I think when COVID happened or if we're still in COVID or whatever it is that, uh, you know, gun rights went or not gun rights, gun sales went right through the roof, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, some people, you know, wanted to get some guns in, even if though, even though they hated guns. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here advocating for guns or anything. But, you know, when times get tough, it seems like, okay, well, let me, and it, it shouldn't come to that. Though, let me change my way of thinking just because oh, the apocalypse is coming or whatever that. Oh, well, we need guns now. We need everyone we can get. But you know, and I agree that you know, guns are can and can't be good or bad. I mean, I don't, We're not yeah. here to talk about guns control or gun violence but just like what you said though i mean you know if you go along just thinking oh i'm anti-gun anti-gun and all of a sudden doomsday comes oh we need guns you know it's just like well you know, you must like guns for a little bit you know why were you you know, saying they were not why are you saying now on the other side of the fence doesn't make sense you know and i guess you know maybe that's fight or flight mode i guess you that's a bunch of different ways that can be argued but yeah, yeah. yeah but it's one of those weird things
3: guns, guns really are interesting i mean if you think about it it may save your life sure if you think about it it's a vicious weapon that a lot of people use to shoot their own head Mm -hmm. with every year or shoot somebody else um kill them and then you know have to face those consequences usually there are always consequences for killing somebody in anger out of vengeance or whatever so it's a fascinating topic um i'm i'm the son of a Sheriff uh, deputy, um, a reserve officer. Uh, my my father, he had a career, but he also served in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department uh, all the way up to captain. Wow. And so there's that. And so whenever I was being asked to co- be considered for a jury, you know, they'd be like, "Do you know any law enforcement officers?" I'm like, "Yeah, my father. You know, we sometimes we go shooting. I know he's got a badge, and you know, serves every every two weeks. Blah blah blah." So they're like, okay, you know, they check, they put something, put a check mark on their paper and they're like, Do you ever think the police ever do anything wrong? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. And they're like, um, you can see their head kind of explode, like, oh shit. Uh-oh. I thought he was, I thought he was gonna be, you know, this type of guy. <laughs> he, he's that type of guy. I don't know, maybe he's both. And so I always seem to get rejected from juries for that reason because it's like, do I think that police officers Make mistakes? Yes, they do. Do I think that they have framed suspects in the past and those people have gone to the, gone to their death? Yes, I do. Do I think that I want to live in a society without cops? No, I don't. Do I think that a police officer is a respectable profession? Uh, yes, with the little footnote that says, but you have to be a good cop. Mm. Et cetera, et cetera. So it's very nuanced and and usually if you trot out an ideology like guns are, you know, the worst thing. In society, we have to get rid of them immediately, or on the other end of the spectrum, I will die before I let somebody take a gun out of my hands. Those are just so extreme that there's really no nuance there. And and wisdom, wisdom is almost always nuanced. I mean, tell me, give me a topic, and I'll tell you how it is nuanced. You know, abortion. It's like, is it killing a human being on the one end, or is it like allowing a woman her liberties on sure. the other? or is it a huge mix of all these different I mean when does when does does life begin at conception does life begin when you start to see a heartbeat does life begin uh, when it can live outside the womb it's like this is complicated stuff mm-hmm. and so if you just have like a um, like a you know a thing you go to real quick and you're like this is how I feel about this topic and boom 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 that's that's what I've decided I decided a long time ago and I'm not changing. Um, that's too inflexible, I think, for most of these very complex issues that face us,
2: yeah, I mean I think you know and I get, I think that's where we start to get in trouble that you know people do go along with that. they heard something from somewhere from their role model or their parents or a teacher yeah. or a professor, and they go along with those ideologies and just never think otherwise to you know check on it, see what the facts are for themselves. I mean, it's the same way with uh you know. I'm one of those fitness guys and that, you know, each year there's always some kind of new fad diet or yeah. whatever, something new. That's a breakthrough. That's going to help people live to be 170 or whatever it is. <laughs> and, that uh, you know, then it comes out that, you know, well, this diet worked for person A, but it didn't work for person B, but in the person B's, well, I did everything person A was doing. I don't get it. And it's just like, well, you know, do your own research just because it worked for person A. There's no, you know, one universal diet that fits everybody. I mean, they're, bodies are completely different across the board. And, you know, it's one of those things that, again, I mean, bringing it back to those things that, you know, they don't do their homework and then they just go from the rooftops and then for the rest of their life, they're just, Oh, well, you know, carnivore diet sucks. Don't ever do it. It's like, well, that doesn't mean it's like that, you know? And and I guess that could kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier is it's like, well, sit down and actually think about things that are going on rather than just, you know, taking about what, you know, person, a said, rather than your mom or whatever it is, and and that, and that's where I think I was talking with somebody at the gym the other night that we were wondering if people are starting to be told or people just want to be told how to live their lives and are told what to think and not how to think, you know, rather than hey, growing up, challenge everything, you know, question everything. It doesn't always have to be that way, you know. And I think that's maybe like going back to the problems in society or the world or whatever. That's kind of where we're sitting at. Does people just want to go along with their easy? life and just not be told, you know, bad things, good things. And just like, Hey, do this and you'll be able to get to point B to point C, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't make sense.
3: It's true. Uh, This is, this is like personal growth, basically. You know, you, you think the world is something as you go through it, you find out it's not quite what you thought and Mm -hmm. here's how it's different. Um, You know, you think that science is, is the be all end all. It's just fantastic. And then you find out that, some scientific articles are are fudged, you know. Yeah. You find out that that's coming up uh, a lot lately. You know, cigarette companies, you know, used to fund research or whatever. All these all these nuances, and so um, it, it's it's actually kind of it's it's okay. It's better to have a view. Like I am a philosopher. I go through life trying to find out information, trying mm-hmm. to grow, improve, change, um, think things through, have discussions be uh, modest enough, humble enough to say, yeah, I'm going to change my mind on that. You, you helped me change your mind. You were right about that. Or it seems like the evidence is really on your side. That's awesome. I'm going to really think about your perspective and maybe I'll adopt it. That type of attitude. It, it, It's so much easier really than to already try to get these things crystallized and foreclosed at one point and then never have to think about it again. You know what I mean? That's just, wow. you can't, I mean, yeah. If you when you watch a child grow from age you know one to twenty the changes that occur are fascinating and interesting and deep and shocking and whatever and if you're a parent you see you see this happening before your eyes and so to to think that you are are so different because you have everything all set and all figured out because you're that smart it's uh it's kind of like well everybody else in the world has to grow but you you've already You've already grown. You've figured it out. I mean, Socrates, for example, was called the wisest man in the world back in, I don't know, 450 or whatever, negative 450. Why? Because he, he wasn't really very sure about all this stuff. And so he yeah. began to investigate it. And that's why he was thought of as wise. I mean, I, I think it's kind of arguable, but sure. he wasn't wise because he read all these things on parchment or whatever. You know, he knew more facts about egypt or about the you know stars or whatever greeks would think about he he was investigating things like virtue and he would be like because if i were to ask you what virtue is you would be stumped if you ask me what virtue is i might know a couple more things because i've thought about
4: it but Um, i'm probably gonna have a hard time understanding
2: Uh oh did you freeze up on me
4: um you know what point should you consider taking your own life what,
3: what point should you take the life of another mm. um you know should you have children should you abstain from having children Uh what type of government is best all these things very challenging and um it, it can be thought of as you know optimistically like i am interested in all this stuff i want to read stuff i want to talk to people i don't want to get sucked into a you know media social media uh type of you know um vacuum or whatever where it's like you know you you just get used by these companies for for your eyeballs basically right to keep your eyeballs on their on their product you know you want to have a much wider um perspective and and love philosophy think of it like i love wisdom because wisdom is that's where those true answers can lie and and you don't get it just because you're your parents said that they have got it and when they tell it to you you're like oh okay now I've got it that's yeah. not how wisdom works
2: was there a uh, one single moment you know like childhood or something that you came across philosophy and or just you know read something and just like wow you know I want to get more into this you know was it just you know reading uh, Aristotle or Socrates yeah. had been, I, had a, um, good
3: shit. I had I had a bit of a difficult um childhood um and and so i felt like i didn't have um it's hard to it's hard to describe but it's like my parents didn't parent me in a way that a parent should be parenting a child mm-hmm. or adolescent and so i felt like i was kind of alone out there in the world and i've always been a little different perhaps or insecure maybe and so then i really started feeling alone um in my late adolescence and so when i Came across a philosophy class in um, college, and psychology classes as well. I became I became very excited by that because I thought, you know, my religion didn't really stick or or you know fill that hole. Mm-hmm. And my family is broken up and addicted to substances and this and that and the other. I'm, you know, I'm out on my own trying to figure all this this world out. And philosophy was very inspiring because. um that's where I think answers can really be relied upon, you know, things like science and philosophy, um, much, it's much like, um, firmer ground, um, than theology is I think. And those three things try to answer those big questions, philosophy, theology, and psychology. And, um, I think psychology and philosophy are the more reliable of the three. And I was just, deeply fascinated by those subjects, they, they helped me. They, you know, like you've read meditations, right? They, it helped Marcus Aurelius to have philosophy. He was talking to himself basically in that book, you know, remember this, don't forget that here's a principle you've, you've known for a long time. Stay, you know, keep your eye on the prize, realize that this is how the world works. Don't forget your values. Don't forget who you are. You know, these types of things. That's extremely powerful stuff. It was powerful for Marcus Aurelius, probably the best emperor and maybe the only philosopher king we've had in history. Mm. And it can be helpful for you and me and anybody who can hear my voice and anybody who can't hear my voice because that's just how philosophy works.
2: Yeah, yeah. They they can usually, like you said earlier, find something meaningful into it if they don't mind just sitting down and taking time to do it. And whether they're just stumbling upon it or... You know, read it read it for the first time just because it was recommended by a friend. You know, I've I've read articles and heard people on other podcasts who they read meditations, you know, at least once a year, if not more. Yeah. They carry it around everywhere they go. And it's just one of those things, you know, you highlight stuff in it and look up stuff and go back to it and say, like, Wait, you know, if it's got a problem in life, let me see what Marcus was thinking on this. And yeah. You know, and it's you know, really- I, yeah, go
4: ahead.
3: I love quotations. Um, and you know, I don't necessarily like quotations like from a particular individual. Or from a particular time period or society, I like quotations that are good that talk about values, talk about virtues, yeah, um, personal growth, um, um, those things that are just the most important things. And if you love quotations about that type of stuff, there are you know many, many, many of them that will just you know blow your mind. They're so interesting. Um, and that was one of the one of the approaches I took in in my latest book is to really bring a lot of quotations. I think are the best about wisdom, but also about these, these aspects of wisdom, Um, you know, things like critical thinking and uh, um, empathy and, uh, you know, um, compassion and uh, delaying gratification and uh, skepticism. Mm -hmm. Quotes about these things um, can really be extremely beneficial. They're like bite-sized chunks of of good stuff, um, you, know, you can you can get a hold of a bad one, and be misled. But um, there's a lot of quotations on those types of subjects that are just very enlightening. Most people, most people, if they have a, an issue when it comes to quotations, it's not that they have gotten a hold of some bad ones and are being misled. It's that they haven't really gotten a hold of enough good ones yet, and they aren't inspired enough yet.
2: So when you say getting misled, like a bad quotations, is that just something you mean by it got misinterpreted, or somebody, you know, uh, read it and it, it was supposed to go, you know, to, or took it out of context? I guess that's what I'm saying, and that's why it's considered a bad quotation. Um, is that, well, exactly what you mean. Or
3: it's interesting that quotations can conflict with each other,
2: right? Okay,
3: so they're like little pearls of wisdom, but it's it's not quite plug and play because. If you can find a pearl of wisdom that conflicts with another pearl of wisdom, now what do you do? Right. So you still need to figure out which one is better, which one you believe, you know, it helps you with your values and your virtues. Awesome. If you tease apart all of these things and you're like, now, now I'm really convinced that I believe in um, you know, strength, let's say, or love or creativity, because I've been thinking about it for so long. I've been looking at quotations and doing it and and doing it like creative creative work or you know i've been i've remembered it right that was one of the aspects of meditations right he was like remember these these things that you know that you should know this this wisdom remember it as as times become tough so that's strength in part and so you have to just spend a lot of time delving into what strength means why you like it how you can use it how you can not forget about it um so it it it's like, it's, it's always going to be there for you. Mm
4: -hmm. It's
3: like, a it's like a friend or whatever. It's always there for you, but you have to meet it halfway and do that work in order to have the, the quotations or the, the virtues, these, these things, they like, they sing in a sense, if you really experience a, um, a virtue or value, something that just, I mean, you know, like, uh, I don't know, fighting for your country and in world war two, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's, the the center of the universe when it comes to certain values right like loyalty camaraderie Mm. uh, courage uh, mercy all these different things and and you know the further we get away from important um, uses of these values and virtues the the weaker and more watered down they get but if you are you know competing in the olympics it's right in front of your mind you know i have to win I need to be strong. I need to be focused. I believe I can do this. Um, You know, all these different types of things that those are those values just right there in front of you. Um, So I I would absolutely say get excited about what values you you get, whatever ones seem natural to you and that you love, Mm. go, go toward them for the rest of your life.
2: Is is there a false narrative that when, you know, talking about philosophy and psychology and everything that, and people think they have to have a certain IQ or be considered smart to even understand it or even, you know, to even pick it up and just even start reading a book like meditations or whatever. And, and I get, you know, I mean, I guess kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, some people will just push it off and just say, you know, that's only for, you know, free thinkers or people who teach, you know, in higher education, but, you know, I won't know anything about it. And, you know, for example, didn't Socrates even quote, When is he quoted like, the only thing I know that is that I know nothing or something like that at one yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is that just a false narrative? Like you can just pick it up and start to, you know, read it however you want to. And then you can kind of go back and think about how things you, how do you think they were supposed to be interpreted? Or like you said, you can go down on YouTube and watch a 20 minute video and take a dive down to see what, you know, experts yeah. in the field are actually thinking, as long as you don't mind doing a little work.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think the minimum IQ you need to philosophize is like 90, okay. 100. Uh you know, I think if if people are suffering from lack of philosophy in their lives, it's probably not that they're not smart enough. It's probably that they don't care enough.
2: Ah, good point. To spend,
3: to spend the time. I mean, you know, I I worked pretty hard in college and graduate school, and I'm still taking classes, and so it's like, maybe I am smart, maybe I'm not. Sure. But I do know that I am willing to take time to dedicate myself to the things that interest me. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you have, obviously there's even a, um, an idea out there that the smarter you are, the harder it is for you to see wisdom because you're so smart. You think you know everything already. Mm-hmm. You're not really willing to do that philosophical work that's required. So maybe somebody with 110 IQ is the perfect person to study philosophy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with starting with philosophy for dummies. I, I read that book. Uh, I read it twice. The author is a really interesting guy. He's on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. He's always interacting with people. He, he wrote a great book and, uh, and you know, you could, it's, it's like 400 pages or whatever. So it's not that it's, easy because a 400 page book is never easy but it's it he doesn't complicate these things because he wants to impress his colleagues you see what i'm
2: saying yeah see perfectly what you're saying you know and and talking about you know people getting into philosophy and like learning more about themselves and learning about what others think about certain subjects you know about like loyalty and honesty and camaraderie like you were saying earlier i mean what do you think the future of philosophy is i mean where do we go from here. I mean, you think more people like we were talking about earlier are going to keep confiding into the Stoics and taking down, going down these philosophy roads and thinking about more about, oh, you know, uh, let me talk, see what, you know, others are saying more. Or is it going to become at a point where people are just going to be like, they think they're already smart enough where they already know everything and just it gets phased out, you know, with, you know, Internet and technology today.
3: We um, technology has has ceased to be our friend, uh, I think, in, in this sense. Because whereas we used to be optimistic about the internet and what it could do. I mean, do you remember, did you ever like get on America online or whatever? Oh yeah.
2: Back I, mean, I was a kid when I was, I was going okay. on. Yeah.
3: So that, that was like a glorious time of like optimism about what technology can mean and, and so on. But now I think we've, we've created these bizarre situations where companies make money when we spend more time on their sites. And, and therefore when we, um, either lose time, or when we argue with each other. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot of evidence out there that Facebook and Twitter are really very, they're sort of like pernicious corporations like in the other, you think of them like cigarette manufacturers, um, you know, back in the day when cigarette manufacturers were on trial for (laughs) misleading the public and doing what they needed to do because it made them money. That was the most important thing. It makes us money. Everything else, they're like nasty about it. Like do what it takes to make more money. And these internet companies, are, these social media companies are like that too. They say they're giving us a service, but the evidence shows that we get more depressed um, by participating in it, especially if you're a young female. Mm. And then things like TikTok, total waste of time, completely. I mean, Okay, so I waste time by watching television. So I'm not saying that wasting time is is always bad, but I'm saying TikTok or the metaverse. Oh yeah. Did you know, did you know they sell real estate in the metaverse? I
2: heard about that a while back. Yeah. I think Stoop Dog bought some. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: you can buy hundred thousand dollar parcel that doesn't exist. I mean, things are getting just weirder and weirder, and nothing in that realm is philosophical in any way, shape, or form. That's not to say that the Matrix is not an interesting movie about that, but it is to say that if you're sitting there. You know, having sex with a blow-up doll in your metaverse you are not philosophizing, <laughs> and, and don't don't quote me on that. Right? Don't be like, Here's
2: <laughs> "I like that." Okay, oh, that's funny. Um. Well, Jason, I want to be respectful of your time and all that good stuff. So, uh, I mean, I feel like it's in this podcast on a good laugh like that, but, uh, people want to find the book. If you want to plug anything, all that good stuff, feel free to do that if they want to find it. Well,
3: I I definitely um, am happy to plug these other books we've been discussing, right? We talked about meditations by Marcus Aurelius. We talked about books by Ryan Holiday. You mentioned Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned Tom Morris and his philosophy for dummies. Um, any book is is good. These books that we've been discussing are, you know, probably very good, bordering on great at times. My books are, you know, they are what they are. Um, they're not exactly flying off the shelf, but uh, I put my my heart and soul into this into this latest book. It's it's about wisdom. Um, I liken it to love in the sense that um, you can't buy it, but it's very very valuable. And so that's an interesting thing, right? How do you get it if you can't buy it? And yet it's so very valuable, right? People just, people really want love. They want to be loved. That's like one of the driving forces in in a human's life. And yet you can't buy it. So you have to get it in some other way. And that's just interesting to me. So um, yeah, I mean, it's on amazon.com. My last name is, you know, M-E-R-C-H-E-Y. That's a good way to find it. Um, I do have a website. I've been putting it together since 2004, and it's free. There's no ads. Nice. You can go there and and just totally get lost in in. All, I basically I a lot of the work that I've done about quotations, values, virtues, personal growth, philosophy. I put it on my website so that other people can be interested in it for no cost. Um And I'm not even kidding about that. I, I you know I'd rather people take it and. Never talk to me. Never say thank you. Just take it and run. Than to not take it, right? Because it's it's there for that purpose. Sure. Um, and so there's a lot that you can do with quotations. You can find out more about your values. You can find out more about your ethics. Um, I've I've written five or six hundred blogs. I've done podcasts myself as host. Uh, and so the website is called ValuesOfTheWise.com. Like, what are the values of wise people? and i've been super interested in that for for decades now and i think anybody who's who hasn't tuned me out yet um on this <laughs> podcast might be interested in uh in those things too and so um knock yourself out
2: cool jason this was a fun conversation i'm glad we did this man that was uh oh, yeah no, i know we could definitely go down some more roads just talking That's true about that, but that was this is fun maybe we do it again sometime if you write another book yeah like
3: no it's i mean anybody who likes meditations is uh is all right by me hey, um you know i i've i've done 25 hours of podcasting on this book or you know my stuff in general and it's like the highlight of my day or even my week sometimes like that i didn't think that was a great conversation and then i go and i watch you know some true crime drama and it's like you know my life just slows down and gets boring again <laughs> so uh yeah it was very cool to
4: talk
2: and yeah, no, i read that book uh during covid and i guess now that We've been talking about. it. It's probably the longest I've talked about it on a podcast. I will have to go back and reread it. But real quick, though, I think Ryan was saying that is there two different versions of it? Do you know? Like there was, is there been? I can't remember. If there was like a sem- word.
3: There was. Um, I know that he never intended it to be published, which is super interesting. Yeah, right? I heard it that was a di- it was a diary, yeah. and one of his aides or whatever after he was. You know, die or was murdered, depending on how you feel about the movie Gladiator. um <laughs> uh, They basically took it and was like, I, "You know, he he wrote this in his own hand. I can't just throw this away like he wanted me to. Like I promised him, I would. I'm going to publish it. And that was a great service to humanity because it's, it's one of the greatest, sure. most interesting books on philosophy that that has been published. You know, pound for pound, at least.
2: Gotcha. Well, maybe I misquoted that or misheard that, but. I'll go back and Google or something like that. But. Yeah,
3: here's, here's a uh, a sentence I'm not embarrassed to admit. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah,
2: man. That's okay. I got, That's the best thing to do is just to say I don't know. I don't mind. But I think if for some reason, maybe it was like an early version and they reprinted it or something. Who knows? But anyway, that's either here nor there. So, again, thank you, man. This, You're welcome. This was cool. So Absolutely. All right, folks. We're gone. Good night.